Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, friends. Brett Valentini, the lucky host of Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 115 with, mm, oh, six or so of my very best friends in the whole wide world. And they also happen to be Southside Sox writers. Lucky you. You will get to hear their insights on the red hot, well, sort of red hot, sort of hot, playing better than they were Chicago White Sox. Uh, currently, let's catch up. 72 and 69. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Joel, correct me. Um, Seven back in the wild card. So they're not, there's no wild card. This is just division or bust. But we've been talking about that all year. So uh, let's get to talking about this team. Socks were hot. They sort of <laughs> finished a road trip that was a really good road trip flat with a really tough loss behind Johnny Cueto, uh, his shortest outing of the season. Uh, maybe his only one to fall short of five innings. Uh, if I do the math there, yes, I guess one short of five innings. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, I mean, let's. Let's gut check it. We do this a lot of times to start off, especially when we got a number of uh, different people going to start in the uh, in my top left to block. It's going to be Allie Wessel, who did actually enjoy the carrots uh, in the crudite platter in the green room waiting for this podcast to begin. So she is all ready to go with plenty of energy to talk about uh, how she's feeling about this White Sox team. Um, pretty good week, but still managed to lose a half game on Cleveland. Yeah, um, the Twins really didn't want to help us this weekend, I guess. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm I'm feeling good. I think the starting pitching has been really good. The offense obviously was there except for today. Uh, today left kind of a weird taste in my mouth. Johnny Cueto just didn't have it from the start. He didn't. He just didn't look like Johnny Cueto. Uh, obviously, the offense wasn't there, and the rest of you know the relief pitching that did come in did get hit 
quite a bit as well. So, but I mean, overall, I think the sentiment is good, even though we're still two and a half back, but the positive on that is that there is some distance between us and Minnesota now. So I'm a little bit more comfortable in that two spot. And I think as long as we can take care of Cleveland on our own, we, we should be, should be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota is below 500. Who's that guy, Ted Sachs or whatever, who's saying they was going to be really going to win the division by double digits. Man, I love that guy. And I'd just love to know he's in great pain right now. There's a, there's a rumor he might have deleted his account today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> wow. You know, come on. Stick it out, man. <laughs> We've been suffering all summer. None of us deleted our accounts. We had to suffer even at the hands of a clown like that guy. Uh, okay. Uh, representing half of the Indianapolis field office, or actually just one third, one third now uh, with uh, Kaylee, I believe, uh, joining us uh, at some point in one day on a podcast. Uh, Joe Reeses, I'm sorry. You're squeezed in the field office now. I apologize for taking up some of your office space. You don't have the full court nerf hoops any longer. But that being the case, you probably need to watch a lot of White Sox uh, baseball this past week. Um, feeling better about the team. They're not eight out, so you're, you're, you're still believing. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's not over yet. Um, and I've been impressed these past couple of weeks. I mean, I don't know if Miguel Cairo has a magic potion or, or what or whatever, but I don't know. They they have been playing a lot better, and it's been refreshing to see them playing um, significantly better baseball than we we've seen pretty much any point this season. Um, you know these these past couple of weeks, and obviously they had the really um, tough loss on on Sunday, um, I, getting crushed by Oakland. But I mean, they still took care of business in Oakland. I mean, winning three out of four, you can't be upset about that. Um, but I, I think the reality is they just simply waited too long to go on this run. Um, and now Cleveland has caught some fire and they have a very easy portion of the schedule. So yeah, it's even with this recent run is having won nine of their last 12 games now, like I feel like it's just most likely too little too late at this point. And they just had to go on this run earlier and, um, so yeah, while it is refreshing to see better baseball, um, yeah, the outlook is not too good. That's Super Joe Reese's in. Uh, you know, sorry, Crystal is no doubt why he has the slightly by about three square feet of bigger office space in the Indianapolis field office because he just previewed the second half of our podcast, which will address the incredibly weak schedules of both the Chicago White Sox and unfortunately the, the bad news is the Cleveland Guardians for the rest of the season. But we'll get to that in just a bit. We're going to hop up to Jordan Haas, uh, who has been covering pretty hit the ground running with Southside Sox. It was an ugly thing. And then it was sort of a better thing. And again, uh, the, the sands and the hourglass run a little bit short, but uh, at least it was a good week. Uh, gut check, Jordan, where are you at? I went 10 days without covering and somehow we, we, <laughs> we won like actually like two weeks without coverage. And it's like, we won nine games. I'm like, we got swept by Arizona and then somehow miraculously we've we've i i don't know i don't have words i don't have words i am i am my my optimism was was like through the earth's core last last i think last time i was on the pod and now i'm like yeah okay there's hope again i guess sure make me make me make me happy i guess try and make me happy and, I mean, Dylan Cease almost threw a no hitter. That was that was also great. Yeah. So I'm I'm save the team, 
pretty good. Cueto today, not yeah. great, but I I mean, he, he he's not had a bad start until today, really. So everyone's going to have a bad start. Well, I'm, I'm optimistic. Jordan, now that you've filled me in with these additional details, I will ask you to stay after uh, the Zoom and we'll have a one-on-one discussion about your future with Southside Sox, but uh, you're welcome to participate in the remainder of this podcast. Uh, going down to Melissa Sage, Bullenbach. Uh, let's talk a new new look, uh, new new happening. And hey, listen, a new team to cover. Uh, you actually took on the trifecta, <laughs> the six-pack and a bird app and even a recap. You're just like, all right, uh, you know, you pay for the buffet, you, you get a little bit of everything. And you've done that and actually coincided with some wins, even though you found a way to still just go uh, one and two in this stretch. But uh, you saw some White Sox baseball that had to be a little bit more inspiring. Yeah, I, I, you know, I am the glass half empty kind of person, but I was really excited because they have been playing so well. We were so close to getting a positive run differential. So close. (laughs) Had we just not played awful today. Yeah, it just went away. Now it's gone again. Yeah. Now I don't know. Now we're back to, back to being really, really negative. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a, a promising road trip. You know, we always play horrible uh, on the West Coast. So that was super refreshing to kind of see us break the jinx of the West Coast. Um, but going home to play Colorado, I, I guess I just would have wanted to go home with that with that sweep. I feel like the energy and the momentum um, was just really good. And then Tony showed up today for the ceremony and it all went down <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to Tony in, in just here a second, uh, at least to my middle. Uh, Going to block everybody by taking Dante Jones now, uh, always with some good thoughts, particularly on um, um, Tony, but you're welcome to hold those. But just in, in general, the uh, the five of seven, not a bad trip. Uh, giving you any inspiration for this last um, sort of three-week 21-game uh, push? I mean, pretty good, like shockingly good start for us, you know, to try to – Win the most miserable division in baseball outside of the AFC South, I believe. And that's football, a sexy t shirt, Dante. That's a sexy t shirt. <laughs> hey, guys, we have to win this today. But, you know, I've been a person that's just been saying all year, like, I don't care if they make it to the playoffs because, again, Seattle stomps us. The Yankees get at us, all sorts of potential bad scenarios. But, you know, it's still nice to watch winning baseball. So we'll take it, you know, day by day. You know, it sounds like you're back to at least uh, partially enjoying the ride, Dante. I I like that. Way to go, White Sox. You pulled us all back in, you bastards. Uh, Okay. Adrian Serrano with us. uh, listen, it's great to see you, and let's uh, chat a little bit about how you're feeling about this uh, team. You tend to, I think I t- you tend to skew uh, optimistic, and this uh, past week had to bring a little bit of that out. But, uh, you know, again, is it a matter of a little bit too late, or how are you feeling? I mean, optimistic for certain things, but, I mean, this, it was always <laughs> That's kind of right. I'm be... sorry. I don't want to interrupt. That's right. You're leaning into this thing. It was, it was always <laughs> going to be. switched uh, over to be the worst season ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I love this team. This team is my favorite team of all time. I'm on record for saying that. You're never going to see another team like this. Like this, it just defies logic. It defies the odds. And they were going to have to, you know, pull some Mighty Duck stuff to uh, 
make this happen. They dropped down with this loss today. They dropped down to 26% on fan graphs to win the division. So 66% for Cleveland really needed Minnesota to take a couple of these games uh, just because the schedule lines up so much cleaner against uh, Minnesota for the Sox. Um, But no, yeah, it's fun to see that uh, Seattle series was probably the best series of the year. Like if you liked watching like real baseball, they look like a real baseball team for about three days um, against a really good pitching uh, Seattle Mariners team. Um, I don't know if you could take anything seriously ever that happens in Oakland. You know, it's nice to see them win on the road, but this team is a uh, not, I mean, some of the AAA teams could probably beat this uh, Oakland team pretty uh, handily uh, the way that they're structured and put together. They're just trying to give people some playing time. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited. There's some things that are great to see. Um, Eloy Jimenez looks kind of unbelievable. He's at currently, unless something really, uh, you know, weird happens, he is War, as far as war is related, he's the best he's ever been. This is the best he's ever done in a single season, 1.7 war he's at right now um, for his White Sox career. So, And he's done that in about 65 games. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to see somebody actually put it together. If he can stay healthy, you know, that's the question for, you know, probably 80% of this team. But um, down the stretch, I'm just looking for more of that. I want to see some of these guys just – play loose and not care about chasing down a playoff thing and just see what they can do uh, on the field. It sounds grumpy, but Eloy's uh, war would be even better if he got out of the habit of crushing baseballs into the gap and then watching them. But that's grumpy and I'll admit it, but boy, I'd like to see him on second base, not first. Anyway, glad you're still healthy, Eloy. And perhaps you were told to just Take that extra pause in batter's box because when if, you bust out, you you know you bust. I will, I will say anybody that has a slugging percentage over five hundred can watch some balls in the gap from time to time. Okay. <laughs> if it's All under right. five hundred, uh, you got to okay. run it out. You counter my grumpy, uh, Adrian. That's cool. Okay, now give me this again because I'm going to cite it and I'm probably going to steal it. I credit you. Uh, Sox uh, playoff probability right now twenty something. What is it? Twenty three. Uh, twenty six point nine. No, twenty. Yeah, okay. Let's just call that twenty seven. Okay. Uh, that'll be. Cited in the second half hey all right let's just make this a wild card uh, throw out your thoughts uh, as they come to you because wow this might take the next three hours but hey listen tony resurfaced and you know um obviously from the moment he was hired before he was hired on this podcast on our site uh it was an enormous negative response especially given the fact that Khan came out and said hey listen we're gonna actually search for a manager and then like five minutes later showed up and then tried to tell us that in the search for the manager, Tony LaRussa. Tony LaRussa was the person who should be the manager. But anyway, that's ancient history, but we're not on record as being a big fan of Tony LaRussa. And of course, we can lighten up for a second and say, hey, listen, you know, get better, Tony. Uh, interesting to know <laughs> from a reporter outside of Chicago that Tony had a pacemaker <laughs> inserted into his body during this break. And Tony, of course, is like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, I think it's a no-brainer for the White Sox. Someone intervene and say, "Let's take the year, Tony," um, because obviously this is this is a this is a bad situation um, uh, up on the horizon, uh, and, and that is that literally goes for the White Sox, but also for Tony Larusa and his health and his longevity. He has a family. Make the right decisions here. But anyhow, listen, Tony's here. Uh, Cairo has been doing something. Clearly, we can evaluate his moves and say there's something different about him managing. He's more in- engaged in the game. 
not every movie he's making is great. Not every lineup uh, he's running out there maybe is terrific, although there's some consistency or has been. Um, that's nice to see. Uh, clearly, there's a difference from Tony to Miguel. And God, who knows if we actually had a managerial search, uh, what we'd uh, what we'd find as uh, next White Sox manager. But uh, general thoughts, um, Tony looming. Uh, what do you think? How does he think that situation gets resolved? And, you know, if you want to throw out some thoughts about what Cairo's done with the White Sox, uh, go ahead. Uh, this is free time. So just throw out thoughts. Anybody who wants to jump in. How many players have been quoted in the last two and a half <laughs> weeks saying something is different? The attitude is different. The dugout has shifted. I can probably count on at least one hand. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't know what the future is for Tony in 2023. I personally don't think it's a good idea for him to come back in 2022, given having a pacemaker placed. But I just... Like Miguel Cairo, obviously he's still, he's been quoted saying he talks to Tony once, maybe twice a day. So, you know, Tony is still having some type of input, but there's a, there's a shift in the clubhouse and everyone's talking about it and they're saying it without saying it. Just, just general, like if you just do a quick Google search, you know, give it a Google and you find that (laughs) they recommend avoid normal people should avoid (laughs) strenuous activity for four to six weeks after getting a pacemaker fitted. There shouldn't be any way that he comes back this season unless he's got some kind of crooked quack doctor saying he can go ahead and get back in there. Uh, Yeah, and that side never does stuff like that. Uh, uh, Okay, Adrian, quick follow-up. When you searched, when you Googled or whatever you just said, when you search for uh, recommended uh, post-pacemaker surgery behavior for Hall of Famer baseball people, do you get different results? Yeah, there's a little more because – Medical science hasn't caught up to the will to win. Um, and yeah. with Tony in particular, it's kind of off the charts. So, yeah. like, you know, I'm not going to be uh, surprised if he's ahead of schedule, you know, in a week or so. But until then, I'm going to go with, you know, what I know from my limited medical uh, gotcha. background. Yeah. Um, and then the question is next year, does he come back and, if he decides not to come back, do they go forward with Miguel Cairo or do they do an actual managerial search? Does I think they've already done his it. Chance to do his job. I think they've already done it. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Other thoughts uh, on, um, I, Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, on, on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you, if, yeah. I have, I have so many thoughts. I've written two articles <laughs> down about how much I, I don't like Tony LaRusa. And I'm like, <laughs> stay healthy, dude. Get, Stay away from the team. This is, it's like, if I, at the end of that article, I'm like, if he, if he does come back late in the year, like four to six weeks, like Adrian just said, it's like, if you couldn't handle the stress of four to six weeks getting a pacemaker, he's like, what, 87 years old? Dude is, <laughs> he's, he just needs to, I don't, I'm not saying he should retire. He should just, he's not going to be able to handle the stress of this rest of the season. He should, you know, take, take a little time for himself. Go, go golf. Go hang out on a beach somewhere. Don't, don't manage the White Sox, please. Uh, cause I mean, even if Miguel Cairo isn't somehow the answer, I, I don't, I, I just don't care. Yeah. I would rather, I'd rather be stuck with Miguel Cairo for the rest of the season and it's just this, last 13 game stretch has been a clue. 
then know that Tony is going to be bringing the bad vibes to the locker room. I'm like, that. that's really, I mean, if Miguel Cairo is doing the exact same mistakes Tony is, but like with better vibes, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of his first main meetings seemed to be, let's, go out, let's have fun. I mean, again, it would sort of be a no-brainer. On your resume for baseball player, fun should probably be on there. But, you know, it was a nice reminder, and it seemed you know, to sort of work. Uh, again, Larusa, uh, Cairo, uh, uh, other thoughts, everybody? I, being one of those people who's actually alive and watching the Sox in, 80, you know, in the 80s when he was managing, I have this, like, love-hate relationship with him. Like, I wasn't one of those people that – was like all dread when he was hired. I really did feel a sense of nostalgia, like, okay, this could be, I mean, it could be really magical, right? It, it could really suck, but it could be really magical. Um, and it hasn't been. And this, you know, health thing to me almost seems like it gives, like gives him an opportunity to, look like the stoic professional hall of famer guy and be like, you know, I, I just really need to think about my future with my family and my health. And it has been such an honor to be involved with the white Sox again and just kind of walk back with grace and be done. Like I, that's like so much what I want to see because I feel like Miguel, not only like with the energy and I think he's also using analytics more. Like I feel like he's tapping into that. And so what a, what a great way for him to kind of just ease his way out and be like, you know, he doesn't have to look like a, I mean, kind of already does look like a fool, but he doesn't have to look like a complete fool um, in running this team to the ground. So, yeah, we, we know uh, his, his leverage decisions, I think are a little more aggressive. I think he's using a leverage in more an analytical way. And, you know, who knows if he actually had the team, who knows what you know what he would do okay now listen uh, i've heard from joe or dante yet so i'm guessing that at least one of you secretly really does want tony larusa to come back immediately and stick around for a long time so you know here's your time to validate that we are not saying that in this household <laughs> in fact i and it's well known i'm a pretty big proponent <laughs> of firing tony no matter how the season ends unless it's a world world series even then i still lean towards firing sure? him i want the man to be healthy like yeah I don't hate him. Like, he's not the worst thing in the world or anything. I just don't like him as a baseball manager. And that's like, that shouldn't conflict with the fact that I also want him not to, you know, have a heart attack on the field. There's no way he should be coming back this season. If I was him, he's like Jordan said, go play golf. You're 77, about to turn 78 years old. And it's probably time to hang it up. And this is like one of those. The vi- as we said, the vibes matter because the vibes are much better when you're winning than when you're losing. And they've done a lot more winning in this little stretch than they've done losing. Uh, Joe, let me jump in real quick before I, I let you answer here. And and to Jordan and uh, Dante's points here, he can be an advisor on this team. I mean, if he does bring value, let's pretend Tony brings value. I don't know what it is. Let's pretend he brings some value. His all his his Hall of Famer baseball person value he can do that from the front office he can consult regularly he can do it from home and consult he can continue to do what he's doing and talk once a day with miguel and hey tony what would you do in this situation and if there really is value that's great he can do that without and i don't think that's going to stress him he doesn't have to be in the dugout and put a uniform on and battle falling asleep or whatever uh you know in in any sort of circumstances or you know did i do i call for another one to 
intentional walk. I mean, he doesn't have to put himself in the crosshairs to still contribute to this team. And if he is really doing that, apparently the whole front office believes that, well, then, you know, then, then what's the harm of just keeping things the way they are, even going into next year in the future? He could have a lifetime contract. He can be an ambassador who just happens to have, um, unfortunately for whoever the manager is, has the uh, ability to text the manager at all times. All right, Joe, go ahead. You know, defend your choice to want Tony Lewis around for uh, five, six, seven more years. Of course, yes, um, that is exactly what I would like. Um, but the the quote I thought from from Liam Hendricks yes. last weekend, um, everybody's got a little bit more pep in the step. It's one of those mantras of just, F it, F it, let's just go. This is who we are. We need to embrace who we are instead of trying to be that stoic old-timey baseball player, show some emotion, get angry, and piss everybody off. I, like, yep. I don't know. That's <laughs> to me, tells me all I need to know about where he stands on it. And, mm-hmm. and he's, he's not the only one who's made comments like that recently. It's, yeah, I don't think Cairo is really that much smarter from a purely tactical like in-game manager standpoint, but it is very clear that the team is responding better to him. Um, And I, it appears to be making a difference on the field. Um, And I really feel like under Cairo, maybe it's still too small of a sample size to really um, say definitively, but I feel like prior to these past couple of weeks with Miguel Cairo managing, there were just so many players who were just falling well short of their potential. And I feel like recently we're finally seeing a lot of players um, performing as we expected them to heading into the season. And that cannot be ignored. And um, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself with, with regards to, I, I don't, I don't hate Tony La Russa. I I wish the best for him health wise, but yeah, as, as far as, um, his time as manager of the White Sox, it, it simply needs to end, unfortunately. Yeah, and credit the White Sox and the players. You know, that was a great quote. And, and that's, I mean, that's the money quote, certainly there, Joe, from Liam, um, saying it without saying it. And and listen, to their to their credit, nobody's come out and, and really gone out of the way to, to, you know, I don't know, insult. Maybe they maybe somebody needed to uh, throw out an insult faster or get into it, lock horns a little bit uh, sooner because this has been going on for a couple of years, going back to your mean at least. Uh, I mean, they've sort of held respect for the manager and they are saying these sort of between the lines things of, yeah, I mean, certainly the old timey thing, man, if that's not, if that's not a cue, uh, I don't know what is. And, you know, at least, you know, if something's been lifted off of those, their shoulders, then maybe in this uh, last 21 game run, they, they maybe they can um, do some damage and get a little help from Cleveland. But we're going to get that in the second half. But before we go, uh, I believe I trotted a bit over what Jordan was saying, because I think the White Sox, once again, don't need to do a managerial search. And it's not Miguel Cairo, but at least according to Gordon Beckham, a guy who was very nice to talk to when I covered him, I'm not, I'm not particularly a fan of his, his color work. Um, or his uh, following the Steve Stone School of School Marming um, uh, Twitter users, uh, which he seems to have hopped on a little bit uh, to, to lecture some of us. Um, he's, he has indicated, I'm not sure how this was breaking news or you know how, how he doesn't already have the manager's cap, but he has indicated that Paul Canerco is at home in his 18,000 square foot mansion in Arizona preparing, I don't know what this means, but it can only mean the White Sox, preparing to be a major league manager and back before they hired Robin Ventura, the first person they asked to be manager was not Robin Ventura. Shocker. It was, Hey, Paul Canerica, would you like to be player manager? Um, so 
it's a, it's a Ken Williams thing. I don't know. Or it's a Jerry Reinsdorf thing. You know, uh, Canerco gave him the last out from the world series. And so now he gets to be manager if he wants to, I don't know what it is, but um, Hey, let's end this on a light note um, or a very gravely serious one. Is Paul Canerco going to be the next manager of the Chicago White Sox? No, I pray he's not like, no, I just, I don't want that. I don't need that. This is stressful enough with or without him. And with him, like, just, I can just imagine how poorly it can go. Like, talking, he could be a great manager. Yeah, like, take away what, like, take away anything like, that Paul Canerco is or isn't or what he could be as a manager, but just to bring in a guy that has never even coached before <laughs> in a championship window. Like, say whatever you want about Tony. At least Tony had a resume. Like, you're bringing in a guy off the street, basically. You might as well have Garfine manage the team hey, next Andrew, year. He He's been pre- around longer. He is at home preparing to be a major league manager. What more do you need? What more I can want, he do? Right? He what, is he managing hey, he his travel what? baseball team? Like, yeah. I, I, it, it's, it's like the Cubs hiring David Ross. That is what I equate what hiring Paul Canerco would do for this team. I mean, it's fine. And it's fine if you're going to tear your team down and you just need somebody to hold the fort down like Robin was. Like, all right, you know, I get it. Like, they weren't trying to win then, but like, you can't do that while you're trying to win. I mean, we do our, I feel like at least with uh, Cairo right now, we're getting to answer some of that question of like, well, what would happen if Ricky Renteria was the manager with the teams that Tony has had? Like, I think you see a team that plays a little better and, a little more on top of things and doesn't have Tony weighing him down. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That probably is a good I'm, comp too. Yeah, it probably is. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> if it meant getting rid of Tony, I would. Hey, listen, that wasn't the question, but yeah, I, well, I hear that. <laughs> if, it, if it meant that, if it meant that for whatever reason, Tony was gone, I would gladly take Paulie as her manager. <laughs> yeah, Paul's going to miss his. Uh, 27,000 square foot mansion anyway. He's going to be like, you know, guys, maybe I don't want to do this. Uh, I don't know. Um, plus I'm faster yeah, than at least. just made a great point of like, you know, if it's give rid of Tony <laughs> any means necessary, you know, I might, I might still be willing to do it because that's just how little I think of Tony LaRusa at this point as a manager, like as person who grew up watching him manage the Cardinals, this is not the same Tony LaRusa or it's the same Tony LaRusa but the game has changed so much in the last decade and changed now that like he just had no time to catch up to it and anything, which is hilarious considering he was a special advisor to the MLB for years and also worked with the Arizona Diamondbacks to make them not the best Undermine their foundation of their franchise. With his, with his friend Dave Stewart, <laughs> who just went to the A's Hall of Fame today, you know, yeah. So I guess getting rid of Tony any means necessary. Fine. I'll one up you. How about we do Paul Canerco and Jim Tomey co-managers? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm thinking like stepbrothers. That you have to wait. <laughs> I think you have to wait at least another year then, uh, at least until Yasmani Grandal is no longer white sexist. I do not think they can hire Paul Canerco and have him be faster than one player, one active player on the team. That's just not going to work out. That's too embarrassing. Uh, although although to, to whoever's point was that just said Jim Tomey, I would actually I entertain that. <laughs> I would take Jim Tomey for a hitting coach. Can we mm-hmm. sign him up for that? Yeah. <laughs> that works I mean, for we me. need him at this point, the way that Frank Manchino got them hidden. 
like the last like the last two weeks aside, I think Jim Tomey heading coach would work out much better, you know, considering one of these dudes has five hundred home runs and the other <laughs> dude has thirty six. It does look hit, better on the resume. Yesterday. We hit we had twenty hits yesterday. Mm-hmm. Eighteen of them were singles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we got such good speed to take advantage of all that single sitting. All right, listen, we are going to take a break and uh, come on back and talk a little bit more. Well, we're going to talk about whatever. Who knows Who knows who else Gordon Beckham has identified as a future managerial candidate? Oh, I don't know, maybe himself. Uh, we could talk about that. But we will uh, focus at least to begin with on the schedule and sort of a little bit head-to-head with what the White Sox are facing against Cleveland, given that they are two and a half games behind Cleveland. And really that's three and a half. I don't know how the math works. Joe can help me out there, but they are not going to win it. They're unlikely to win a tiebreaker with Cleveland. So they're really going to have to do even better than just tie them. Uh, but we will be back uh, after a short break. Uh, all my friends, uh, who knows, maybe even more friends will join us for the second half. Um, but uh, stick with us and we will be back in just a second. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody switched seats, took a break, ran back to the green room, looked for the snacks, found still pretty, pretty low SB Nation. Come on, listen, we just, we just let you make some money off our podcast. Stock our green room, please. This is the last time I'm going to ask you. Uh, so, okay, we're snackless. So going to be a little bit hangry in the second half here, but everybody did manage to come on back. Uh, switch seats, which is fine. Um, you know, we can deal with that. I'll hopefully identify everyone by something close to their correct names. But we are back at Southside Sox with the Mothership Podcast number 115. My name still is Brett Valentini. I am lucky enough to host, well, I've hosted 115 Southside Sox Mothership Podcasts, all talking about the Chicago White Sox. Lucky me. But hey, this is a time that maybe we can be sort of excited about being White Sox fans again. It hasn't happened very often this summer, so I guess it's a good thing. Things are taking a turn. But here's the scary thing. As we said before, we went to break, you know, two and a half games behind Cleveland. Did lose a half game uh, despite a good uh, West Coast trip. And you could say, well, geez, uh, Cleveland had an easy spot of schedule. Well, both of these teams, the White Sox and the Guardians, have an easy schedule the rest of the way. The only advantage the Sox have is they have three less games, three fewer games to have to play. So a little bit less rest for Cleveland. Uh, but generally, they're playing nearly every game at home. They have uh, two road series remaining this season. Uh, White Sox have three, well, technically two, plus a game in Cleveland. So that's the same. The strength of schedule is pretty darn close. Uh, we're looking at pretty identical schedules including some head-to-head games, which may be crucial for the White Sox, because if they don't, at this point, try to run the table on Cleveland, uh, I'm just, it's, gonna, it's hard to see how they catch up on this team again, because tying them isn't going to be good enough. I suppose if they did sweep them the rest of the way, I guess that might put them ahead for the season series. I'm not sure. Again, uh, Joe or somebody can correct me. Adrian had all the numbers before. Uh, 27% right now, likelihood for the playoffs, while sitting pretty, 
atop it all, 66% for Cleveland. And that speaks very much to the fact that they're playing a ton of games at home, very easy schedule, and they got the advantage now. The White Sox really have to leapfrog them. It's not good enough to tie. There's no more tiebreaker game. They have they have to have a better record head-to-head, and I'm certain that's possible, but it's the, the possibility is very slim. I say that with no numbers at all, so anyone, feel free to correct me. Okay, we're looking at similar schedules, but... Uh, in a two and a half game hole, which might as well be three, three and a half, whatever that math works out to be. Um, however many lost I, I, at the moment, I don't even know how many in the loss column, even though I managed to tweet it out those times that Adrian doesn't. Uh, and that's really what it comes down to. And the Sox are at a deficit there. Uh, so just looking at this last stretch run, 24 games for Cleveland, 21 for the White Sox. Uh, obviously, it's just a bull rush in the end of the season. Well, where's everybody sitting with this? Uh, because it, it doesn't look great, but you know, we're at least talking about it. So that in itself is something. We are. I, yeah, I sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, like you said, we are talking about it. Then that's more than I thought we would be doing after that Arizona series. Um, that is something. Um, and yeah, to that point about yeah, the White Sox would have to win all of the remaining games against Cleveland to win the season series. They're down nine games to six right now, and they have four Mm. games left against them. Um, So if they won all four, they'd, they would then have the tiebreaker. Um, But obviously I would not bank on that. And I don't really think any White Sox fan would. Um, Yeah. The main thing right now I'm kind of looking at is if the guardians with this easy schedule that they have, go exactly 500 the rest of the way, which I do think they'll be better than that. That would put them at 85 and 77. Um, The White Sox to beat that would have to go Mm. 14 and seven the rest of the way, which I mean, I don't know. They need more magic powder from Miguel Cairo, I think (laughs) um, for that to happen. Um, So yeah, like you said, odds are slim. It could happen. I mean, but um, overall, um, definitely, um, don't have high hopes. Hey, Joe, Joe, Miguel Cairo played with some guys who used some magic powder. So who knows that, that, you know, that might be possible. Um, and a great point, uh, Joe, because we will know as of, well, we could know, and let's face it, we'll likely know, uh, as of what would that be th- Thursday, Thursday, uh, whether the Sox will really need that extra game and the tiebreaker won't go in their favor. We, we will have a yeah. pretty good idea. Now White Sox win. Okay. Then yes, they're going to keep us in suspense for another. Mm, it's, a, it's a tough one too. Cause you get Tristan McKenzie, who's just looked unhittable the last like month and a half. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll know a lot right after that game. Yeah. Uh, other thoughts more broadly on the, uh, on the schedule and how this is going to, I mean, you know, Joe can't represent the entire uh, field here. I know everybody's hungry to get back to the snacks in the green room, but um, other thoughts on, on, on what this is going to be. And can the Cairo sort of push, um, you know, do something for this team that we don't expect. I think they can definitely make a good showing of it. Um, it just, we really needed, they really needed the twins to kind of show up against uh, Cleveland a little bit. They got, I think uh, eight games in like 10 days and they just got, you know, they just lost three. Um, So Cleveland's getting uh, Minnesota at a time when their Byron Buxton's not there. Maybe by the time that the, you know, the Sox have their run against Minnesota, if Buxton's back, that's a completely uh, different situation um, than it has been, but like a bunch of winnable series, but like, 
you kind of have to beat Cleveland as much as possible and Minnesota as much as possible because as many games as you have against Detroit, they have against Kansas City. So it's going to kind of come down to those, just like, you know, I said way back in April and May and June, like the only games that matter from here on out are the ones against Cleveland and Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So when as many or all of them and you give yourself at least a chance. Yeah. And they have all six ending the season at home against Kansas City. So that's not even necessarily uh, equivalent, but the schedules uh, both suck. But you know, what do you expect? It's AL Central. The schedules are going to suck. That is like Kansas in the City bylaws. Got some devil magic there, though. They've got some weird mojo going on there. I mean, they I don't know what they've done against Cleveland, but they've killed us. So thankfully, thankfully, we don't have them. Kansas City's uh, devil magic is kind of playing really solid baseball, which – Cleveland also plays like it's really good against teams like the Sox who make tons of mental errors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I just want to add to that though. Um, kind of on the side of optimism, Cleveland has to play 17 games in a row okay. and we have the next three Mondays off. And I do know that at least Zach Plesak of their starting rotation is injured. And I do believe one of their other starting pitchers is injured as well. So I think on the optimistic side, that's a lot of games, mm-hmm. especially there's a doubleheader with Minnesota built in there as well. Um, so I think that might be 18 games actually now that I count. Um, but I think that's a lot of games in a short period mm-hmm. of time with a pitching staff that's already doing a lot of work. And, and to be quite frank, I mean, obviously they scored a lot of runs against Minnesota this weekend, but their pitching staff's been carrying them here um, as of late as well. So and, you know, we have a, 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 a weak quote unquote schedule. Obviously we don't take any opponent with a grain of salt, but I think some of those off days are going to, going to bode well for us. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Uh, I will counter your optimism just by pointing out that they absolutely blitzed a Minnesota a twins team that acted like they didn't want to be there, acted like it was the end of the first half against the White Sox, which was a very strange no show for the twins. So playing five here uh, this next weekend, Oh, I don't know. I, I, is Minnesota going to win one? I don't know if they've just given up on the season. And if that's true, that bodes well for the Sox. You got six more with them. Um, but somehow I, I figured they'll find their mojo by the end of the season and find their motivation to want to come out to spoil it for the White Sox. Uh, other thoughts, everybody, on the uh, on the schedule and how this is going to wrangle I out? Mean, what? Oh, sorry. Back, I mean, back to Cleveland playing, you know, 18 games in 17 days or whatever. It's like they have to make up three games that we don't. And if they lose any of those three, that's a a singular game back for first place for us. It's mm-hmm. it's a matter of it's a matter of like two wins against them instead of instead of four because two wins puts us in the lead. I mean, it, it doesn't. I mean, it depends on other circumstances, regardless. But I mean, we just need to. I don't. I don't think we're gonna hold up going. I mean, if we if we go nine nine of thirteen for the next thirteen games again, I mean, that's fine. I think that's doable. I think that that kind of positive baseball that we have not seen basically all season is is good. Because I was looking at it when I was writing the recap yesterday. It's like we have we have two we have three times this entire season where in any game, ten game stretch we've won eight games. The last night, the night before, and then way back in May. So this is this is a good – if we can hold up even 7 out of 10 
I think we're in good shape mm-hmm. for the next however. I think something that I keep thinking about those, like we're not in charge of our own destiny. We could, we could win, you know, the 14 out of seven, or we could win 16, you know, and if Cleveland keeps playing like Cleveland plays, doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just that we've, we've wedged ourselves into this place of all they can do is go out there and play ball and hope that Cleveland plays a little worse ball. And, and that's really honestly what it all boils down to yeah the flip of it is we play a great you know we play a great stretch like one of five or seven on west coast and we're like we're patting ourselves in the back and then we say oh well geez hold on wait we slipped behind a half game so it can definitely work that way we can find ourselves doing nothing and like getting closer to first place because yeah maybe you drop a head double header because they're gassed on the other hand we can find ourselves even as we're winning slipping behind further because they're getting to squeeze more wins in it's not necessarily going to just be uh losses and and that is part of the frustration of not having uh destiny in uh, your own hands um you know we ask this every time uh do this um every podcast talk about uh how we think this is going to wrangle out we've been doing this on and off even in this podcast uh let's 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 go around and um let's get a prediction uh i am going to stick in the upper left in my upper left of the block i'm going to give Allie the first shot at answering this uh do you think the white Sox catch cleveland win the division and make the playoffs I would love to say yes, but my gut, my gut answer is no. I think like Melissa just said, we've wedged ourselves into a corner where I'm scoreboard watching every night now, and I shouldn't be doing that. And I think, you know, it was said earlier, too little, too late. Yeah. Uh, Dante, you're, I think I know, but you're feeling about the prospects of the White Sox playing deeper into October than a Minnesota series. Um, I would suggest to all White Sox fans to, Take a look at the um, 2023 MLB draft board and be prepared to have a um, late teens draft pick. Just be just be ready. Be ready to find out some prospects, you know, learn some things. Hope that we um, could get another Colson Montgomery type dude that plays outfield because we don't have outfielders. Um, all I have to say is that I'm thankful to Aloy Menes for making my jersey purchase worth it. I'm thankful that Johnny Cueto for the most part has been great. And um, shout out to Adrian for designing the sticker slash shirt, the pride one, because I just got one of those in the mail. And also whoever did the Giolito day one, congrats to them too. I'll make sure we got that much uh, merch up there. It's a Serrano yeah, the White Sox, uh, alley joint. Yep. The White Sox are just, I said it uh, down on Twitter, and I think Jordan responded, I don't know who they are at this point. I just don't know. And I prefer that I would prefer for them to go to applause because it gives us more to talk about. And maybe I'll drive myself to a game. But besides <laughs> that, like eh, eh. all right. He threw down the gauntlet. Dante threw down the gauntlet. He is coming to a late season or playoff game. If you guys just get your asses in gear. Let's go, White Sox. Come on. Uh, Adrian, at the bottom of my screen, uh, um, it's all right. You Listen, you're playing with house money. This is your favorite season no matter what. So yeah, are you rooting um, for it to get even goofier? or Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to watchable baseball. I'm looking forward to a team that's going to finish above 500, which was in question for a little yeah. bit. 
but it's going to be a team in a bad division that finishes their two and a half games out now. I think they're going to finish somewhere between a game and a half and two and a half back at the end of the day. And it's just going to be about an 83, 84 win team. Um, they're going to get some games back, you know, from Cleveland having to deal with the schedule down the stretch, but like, it's going to basically even out uh, and they're going to just stay where they are. So um, I think it's at least better to watch than it was early in the season for sure. But uh, I think they just you continue to prove that like losing games in April matter, <laughs> you know, yeah. as much as Tony doesn't want to like the schedule shouldn't matter if they don't need days off because they've had more days off than any other team, you know, in baseball, they've rested all of these guys so much throughout the year that they've given wins away. And you would have loved to have, you know, you know, three, four or five of those wins right now um, that didn't seem to matter earlier. It's going to be our entire off-season of podcasts, I'm sure, if it plays out this way. But imagine an 83-win White Sox team this year. In a year, they were supposed to take a step forward. They take 10 wins back. Oh, boy, that's those are going to be some fun off-season podcasts. All right, up to the middle, at least on my screen. Uh, Jordan, your thoughts on how this is going to wrangle out. Sox have any shot? I believe you did predict. You got optimistic predictions. I the the division like three podcasts ago. Right. So and where are you at I... I'm, I'm not going to give it away yet, but I, it depends on it depends on if if, if Tony comes back. If Tony oh, comes back, there's no shot. There's Very no nice shot. twist on that question. If, okay, if, so you're going to conditional me. All right. I, I, I am conditionally this on if Tony comes back. If Tony comes back at any oh. point before the playoffs, wow. the, this team this team does not make the playoffs. If, if Cairo could keep any of this momentum going hmm. for the next, like, three weeks, yeah, we're they're they're gonna win they're gonna win the division by like a a game or they're gonna tie and have won four games against Cleveland. Hmm. But it's wow. gonna be like it's still we're still gonna be like an 83-84 win team. Wow. We're gonna be one of them weird Tony Larusa Devil Magic teams that somehow somehow make I'm I you know what I'm gonna go as bold as to say <laughs> if we make the playoffs without <laughs> Tony Larusa we will make the ALCS. You can see something happening. You can see I'm, something happening. I am ever the optimist as much as I'm ever the pessimist at the same time. Well, yeah, and it's it's easier to be optimistic with Tony Lewis out of the picture. So I can definitely vibe with that uh, for sure. Okay, that's bold. Uh, I like it. And maximum chaos. So you know Adrian likes it. Maximum chaos. You know, they took away our tiebreaker game, but we're going to still do something crazy and manage to somehow you know, win by game and take the type. Oh man, that would be sweet. Uh, oh, Joe Reeses, where are you at in terms of a man eternally optimistic? Uh, definitely not eight games behind. So uh, you still uh, feeling the fever for uh, playoff baseball in 2022? I would love nothing more than playoff baseball, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I have the Guardians winning 87 and the White Sox winning 83. Uh, the Twins will finish with 80. They're kind of, kind of fallen out of the picture. So they're not super relevant, but yeah, I think the Guardians will win it relatively comfortably, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, um, I just don't think they they have enough in the tank at this point to to make a big push to to the finish line. Joe, with the late cold water bucket, yeah, not even not even making it exciting and down to the wire, but that could happen. I mean, this hey, this week could could decide a lot toward how exciting the rest of these podcasts will be oh wait hold on they're exciting every time uh especially when we raise our voices and cuss uh, okay melissa um thoughts okay we know the glass is half the glass might be empty 
Um, so are you going to surprise us with some optimism here or uh, do you think they're toast? Anything. It's baseball. Anything can happen, right? We've seen that. <clears throat> but my season ticket rep guy, you know, sent me my email that said, hey, your postseason tickets are in your account. <laughs> you know, you, you can put your down payment on or whatever. It's due by September 20th. So I have a <laughs> notification in my calendar on September 20th that's like, socks happen to pull off a miracle. <laughs> I will make my first payment. Um, so yeah, as much as I would love nothing more, especially now being a part of this group of awesome, talented, really brilliant people when it comes to baseball, I would love nothing more than to talk about postseason baseball. But I think we're going to be more talking about what kind of off season we need to have to fix our infielders in the outfield problem and so on and so forth. Well, Melissa, listen, I tell you, I promised you I would get the brilliant, insightful, smart people on the podcast at some point. I'm sorry you're just stuck with us, including primarily and significantly, maybe exclusively your host, but we'll get there at some point. We've got a lot of podcasts in the offseason, uh, win or lose. And it is going to be a shame that you're going to put down that deposit and then like you'll set the notification for like knowing the White Sox on like September 22nd to call to start processing the refund because you need that money back. Uh, but hey, who knows? They could play down the wire. They're play- hey, the good news for the White Sox, they're playing into October no matter matter what because the season ends what october 5th so we're going to see october baseball that's true just maybe not the kind we really thought was guaranteed to us and nbc sports chicago seemed to indicate via meme we were going to get with no hesitation and no if question. we want to end it on a really low note we can please adrian it. please it's still technically possible that they finish in third as well <laughs> it's probably <laughs> it's less likely but like they have uh a pretty good chance with those uh, six games against Minnesota <laughs> coming yeah. down the stretch. So they're like, you know, that Minnesota would be the funniest. Plays, yeah. Minnesota plays really tough against the Sox all the time. So like, not only do you not catch, but you could still finish in third a la 2020, you know, you made the playoffs that year with the expanded, oh, yeah. expanded playoffs. But um, yeah, that would be the ultimate uh, slap in the face ending. But I'm, I'm feeling like without Tony here that we're going to avoid that. Something we might be conveniently ignoring, except Joe, who says they're going to be behind by like 14 games by the end of the season. They have tradition. Last year's last couple of seasons, they have finished flat. I mean, that Ricky Renneria 2020, I mean, that was a bizarre season. Okay, we're not going to hold it against anybody, but that was a terrible finish. They went from being the best team in the AL, if not baseball, best team in the AL to falling, not even getting the division, for God's sake. Uh, and then last year, you know, it was more of a, um, a slow burn, um, slow f- flat tire, uh, constant flatulence through September, but it was another bad uh, 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 finish. And, you know, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily in the DNA of the team, but haven't exactly proven that it's not in the DNA of the team either. So that's an- another thing got working against us likely having to not only tie, but even leapfrog Cleveland uh, is going to be a challenge, you know, yeah, both. And I think both of those slides at the end of the year kind of coincided with Tim Anderson, not playing well slash not being available. So it's kind of weird. We have not heard anything about his potential coming back he, before the end of the season. Bob Nightingale tweeted before the game, he's seeing a hand specialist this week to determine his timeline to return. Pacemaker in his hand. <laughs> I mean, it's a Bob Nightingale tweet, so I don't know how much interesting. <laughs> yeah. Although he did get the Tony scoop, but like, I feel like eighty percent of the time, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. You got to take. Well, I mean, let's face it; it's just about anybody who's tweeting about the White Sox in any sort of official position. You got to wonder, okay, where's it coming from? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tim, 
I mean, you think he's come back, but then we get to have the delightful debate. Oh, we'll devote a podcast to it about, you know, where he should play, who should play. Is Elvis the guy, you know, another strange thing that we're all ready to just kick Tim to the curb because the guy we picked up has had a really, really, really hot streak. So uh, good problem to have, I guess. It's a good problem to have. Uh, all right. Well, I guess let's wind this thing up. It is number 115. Talking about all sorts of things. Thank you to Jordan Haas. Uh, Joe Rhesus, way to go. Uh, you use the full studio space, Joe. I mean, I, I'm sorry to have squeezed you, but you know, maybe the crudité plate, uh, in Indianapolis will be better. Maybe SB Nation sent it to Indianapolis and, um, not to the Chicagoland, um, green room that most many of you are in. Uh, Melissa, thank you for joining. Adrian, uh, thank you for designing, uh, podcasting, um, providing, um, weird, wacky, uh, expertise. Uh, Dante. Thanks for keeping it down. Um, and, you know, no. Um, well, listen, hey, we look forward to, uh, yeah, draft night. Look forward to draft night, June, August, whenever it is, 2023. Uh, White Sox, why do you do this to us? Uh, of course, Allie, hey, welcome back. It's not a post-game podcast, but you're on again. Love it. Thank you for your insight. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, without uh, all of you out there listening, uh, reading, sometimes watching us, uh, we're not here. Uh, so thanks for giving us some purpose to... Oh, I don't know, for all our indigestion, all our need for antacid, uh, et cetera. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for forcing us into this. Uh, we will exact our revenge on you all one day, but not now. Uh, stay tuned. We'll have more podcasts um, sooner than you think, sooner than you're ready for. Breakneck coverage, last 21 games of the White Sox season, taking you into October. Uh, we will be providing it, and many of these people talking to me right now will be the ones providing it. 